So the elders thought it would be wise to take a one-week break from our series on the Gospel of Luke and to talk about the coronavirus. Thanks to Dr. Tom for what he's already shared with us this morning. You've all heard about the coronavirus. We know it's spreading, but there's lots of unknowns about it. It's an evolving situation, like Dr. Tom said. And because there's lots of unknowns, people have very different opinions and, and responses to it. I mean, I would guess that some of you are thinking, you know, it's probably not going to be that big of a deal. It'll just die away. And we all certainly hope you're right. And we all should be praying for that. But that may be why you're saying, I'm totally at peace. I don't think it's going to be a problem. And, and we're glad you're at peace. But let me challenge you that that's not the strongest reason that you can be at peace. I mean, think about it. The reason we are at peace is not because the odds are really small that anything's going to happen. The reason we have peace is because of the promises of God. We're not at peace because we think, oh, there's not going to be any problems out there. We're at peace because of what God has said would happen when there are problems out there. So even if your peace is because you don't think anything is going to happen, there's a better peace for you this morning. Now, some of you are not at peace. You're feeling some level of fear or worry or anxiety. Maybe it's your own health you're concerned about or the health of your loved ones or your children. Maybe loved ones in other countries you're concerned about. Maybe you're concerned about job security because of this or what's going to happen with the world's economy or maybe how about your travel plans? Lots of things that we're, we're thinking about. So what I want to do this morning is ask the question, how should we respond? How does God want us to respond to problems like the coronavirus? What does he want us to do? And I want to give you five answers from God's word. And I'm praying that as a result, our feet will be firmly planted upon the rock of the scriptures. So first response, how should we respond? First answer, we should understand that God is in complete control of the coronavirus. Just sit back and see what the Bible says about this. All through the scriptures, one example is Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. See, God created everything. And because he created everything, God rules over everything. So everything that happens is under God's control. It's like this verse says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all, including the coronavirus absolute control. And we shouldn't be surprised when things like this happen. We shouldn't think, what's happening? I thought, you know, I thought God was in control. God's completely in control. In fact, Jesus said things like this would happen. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus tells us some of the things that will be happening between his first coming, when he was born as a baby and grew up and died on the cross and rose again and ascended into heaven. So between his first coming and his second coming, Luke 21 tells us what happens between that time period. And look at what Jesus says in Luke 21, verses 10 and 11. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences. That's epidemics, that's diseases. There will be pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. So we should not be surprised 
It should not make our faith waver when the world experiences things like the coronavirus because Jesus said these things would happen. And what's even more important is we should understand that God is not surprised when these things happen. God is not worried this morning about the coronavirus. God is in complete control of the coronavirus. God has purposefully allowed the coronavirus. He is not worried. So that's the first kind of foundation I want to lay out is that we need to understand just clearly, revisit the truth, remind yourself, preach it to yourself that God is in complete control of the coronavirus. Second, and I'm going to spend most of our time this morning on this point. Second way we should respond. Do not fear this virus because it cannot separate us from Christ's love. Do not fear. Now I want to unpack what this means, but look at Romans 8, 38 and 39. We want to get down into the nitty gritty. We want to not just rest on generalities. I want to get specific where the rubber meets the road this morning. So every possible scenario we understand, it will not separate us from the love of Christ. So you can live here strong and established and at peace because of Christ. Look at what Paul says, Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to earth as a man, fully God, fully man, sinless. He died on the cross to pay for all the sins of everyone who trusts him. So because you are trusting Jesus Christ this morning as your savior, because you're trusting Christ this morning as your Lord, because you're trusting Christ this morning as your all-satisfying treasure, you can be certain that nothing is gonna separate you from the love of Christ. As you look ahead into your future, this afternoon, tomorrow, the next month, the next decade, the next eternity, there is no condemnation out there from God for you. There is no punishment that will ever touch you from God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Paul says in the first verse of this chapter. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, nothing, nothing, can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I hope that as you look out into your future, that's what you see. The love of God in Christ, the love of God in Christ forever. That's what Paul wants us to understand. And I want to break this down into three reasons we can be sure that the coronavirus will not separate us from the love of Christ. Three reasons this morning. The first is this. God can protect us from it. God can protect us from the coronavirus. Look at Psalm 91, verse 14. Precious statement. This is God speaking to us. Look at what he says. Because he, the one who's trusting him, 
because he holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. So God can protect you from the coronavirus. Just like he protected, remember Israel? God protected them completely from all the plagues that came upon Egypt. They were protected. Or just like, remember when Saul had a spear and wanted to kill David and threw his spear at David and God protected David from that spear. So God can protect you from the coronavirus. It's easy for him to do that. Now, let me raise this question though. Some followers of Jesus who love the Lord and love the Bible, they would conclude from this verse that therefore no follower of Jesus will get the coronavirus. Let's talk about this, let's let's get specific. Is that true? You could think that from this verse and some previous verses in Psalm 91 where God talks about pestilences and sicknesses and, and keeping us from them. But when we keep reading in verse 15, we see that that's not what God is saying. Look at verse 15. God God again is speaking, and he says, when he calls to me, the one who's trusting him, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. Now think about that phrase. God promised us to be with us in trouble. So if God says I will be with you in trouble, it can't be the case that God will protect us from all trouble. Does that make sense? He he can do that and very often he will do that and he does do that but not always does he do that. Think about Job. Read the book of Job powerful story. Job, we read in chapter one, was the most righteous man in all the world. God loved Job. And God allowed Job to suffer from a very tragic disease. He had boils, painful boils all over his body. But this ended up as a great gift to Job Job later on says, it's like before, I I, I knew you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you. It's a gift from God. God only gives good gifts. So God can protect you from the coronavirus. Let's just lay that down as a clear truth. Do we all understand that? Can God protect you from the coronavirus, Grace Church? Absolutely, no problem. And in many cases, that's what he will do but not in every case. And so to be at peace, we need to think through every case. So what about when he doesn't? Then why should I not fear? Let's talk about that. And the reason is because God can allow us to get the coronavirus and then heal us from the coronavirus. So he can allow some to get it. If you get it, it doesn't mean God has left you. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean you've done something bad. God allowed Job, the most righteous man in the world, to have his boils. Look at Psalm 103, verse three. I love this verse. 
five simple words. God heals all your diseases. Think about Jesus healing the the paralyzed man. I was just reading Mark 2 this last week. Remember, think about being paralyzed. And this paralyzed man had four friends who wanted to bring him to Jesus. And Jesus was teaching in a house, and the house was so crowded, the men couldn't get in, and so <laughs> they were persistent. They, you know the story, they broke a hole in the roof and lowered their friend down right in front of Jesus. And Jesus first said, son, your sins are forgiven. Best gift, most precious gift in the world. And then Jesus saw some people, the religious leaders were grumbling, how can you do that? Well, to show you that I can do that, I'll do this. Stand up and take your bed and go home. And the paralyzed man stood up, picked up his bed, celebrating, maybe dancing and leaping and left. But so God healed this paralyzed man. Or think about blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. And went from being blind to seeing like that by Jesus' power. So Jesus can heal us. No question about it. So God might allow some of us to get the coronavirus. Doesn't show he's left you doesn't show he's not there. He can allow some of us to get the coronavirus and then he can, he can heal us. He can either heal us miraculously and supernaturally. We want to be laying our hands on each other and praying for each other with every, any sickness we've got. He can supernaturally instantly heal us. He can use Dr. Tom and other doctors and medicine to heal us. However he wants to do it, we'll take it, Right? So since God is in control of the coronavirus, God can heal us from the coronavirus. Now we've got to raise another question about this verse though. Does this verse, Psalm 103, mean that he always heals us from our diseases immediately in this life? Or does it mean he always either heals us immediately in this life or in the life to come? I think the latter is what the Bible teaches. We want to pray for the sick here. We've seen God heal the sick here. We believe in supernatural healing. But God can be just as loving and just as kind and bless just as much at times where he chooses not to do that. Let me show you one passage that I believe teaches that. I think what Psalm 103 says when it says he heals all of our diseases is that he will heal them either in this life or in the life to come. And one of the passages is because of 2 Corinthians, or one of the passages is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. I would encourage you to memorize these verses. So encouraging for every trial we face, but specifically sickness. Verse 16, so we do not lose heart, Paul says. Though our outer self is wasting away, Our inner self is being renewed day by day. So Paul says that followers of Jesus will experience our outer self wasting away. That means we will experience sickness. The outer self wasting away means sickness, difficulties, okay, getting old, all those kinds of problems. But Paul says that during this sickness, during this outer self wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, becoming more alive every day, becoming more encouraged every day, becoming more full of the Lord every day, even while the outer self is wasting away. It's amazing. Now, 
How does that happen? How, how can the inner self be renewed day by day while the outer self is wasting away? The answer is verse 17. Notice the word for at the very beginning of that verse. Here's the reason why. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us, preparing for us, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This is amazing. Whatever trial we experience in this life, whatever sickness we deal with, if you come down with the coronavirus and God chooses not to heal you, this momentary light affliction, and it is light and momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory, so it's just a, this light momentary affliction, it is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Okay, now to, to get this verse, we gotta figure out what is this eternal weight of glory? What does that mean? Can, can we make this more, more tangible? And this is way over my pay grade to try to preach on, okay? But I'm gonna do my best and ask God, Lord, use these weak words and just capture our hearts, all right? So eternal weight of glory. Glory is the word that describes the, the radiance of God's perfections shining forth. That's what glory is, the start there, just this shining forth of God's spectacular beauty and majesty and magnificence. That's glory. And the Bible teaches that what shines forth most brightly with God's glory is his love, especially displayed through Jesus, especially displayed through Jesus on the cross. The cross is ablaze with the glory of God because it displays his love so powerfully. Think about the cross. The cross shows God's love more clearly than anything else. There's Jesus, fully God. Here we see God in the flesh, suffering and God in the flesh, dying. God coming to earth and dying to pay for our sins. There's no love like that love. It's just breathtaking. It's like, are you kidding me? God did that? It's beautiful. That love, there's no love that is as costly, as beautiful as that love. And, and not only are we captured by the beauty of that love, there's this interesting way in which the joy of seeing that love and the beauty of that love links with the fact that we are heartbroken over that love because we think, that's what my sin deserves. He's there because of me. That cost he's experiencing is because of me. He loves me. I've been a rebel to his will. I have been running away from him. I've dishonored him, and he is suffering there for me. So the cross is ablaze with the, the love of God, the glory of God showing in his love. And when we are in heaven, we are gonna see that love shining from Jesus, the, being there like a lamb that was slain, and we are gonna be captured and filled and transformed, and it's gonna be beautiful. Okay, I tried, church, I tried. Glory, okay, that's glory. But he also says it's a weight of glory. Why wait? I think it's because so often we can think that heaven's just kind of like filmy clouds and things aren't very real there. It's kind of the spirit world. And no, 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 no. Listen, heaven is far more real than this earth. 
The new heavens and the earth, new earth is far more substantial. It'll make your chair and your body and your job seem filmy and like unreal. Heaven is real. It's weighty. It is a massive reality. And so the glory you're going to see shining forth from Christ is real, is massive, is substantial, is weighty. The weight of glory, and then there's one other word, yes, eternal. This is an eternal weight of glory. I mean, think about your life. Maybe, like, think about one millimeter. Okay, you got one millimeter in mind. It's pretty small. And then think about billions of trillions of light years down the road. Okay, now, and then when you get to the end of that, you've just barely started eternity. Okay? Now, here's your life here, and then there's eternity. And today's momentary light afflictions. By the way, that's not to say that the sufferings and the illnesses and the heartbreaks we experience in this life aren't really that important. They can be heartbreaking and difficult, right? But compared to the eternal weight of glory, they are momentary and light. Okay, so these momentary light afflictions are preparing for us, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. So, as we experience the momentary light afflictions, we can be confident that God's plan for this is to give me even more joy in the weight of his glory forever. That's what's coming out of this trial. So how do we, but that doesn't happen automatically. There's something we do. Did you catch that? We haven't read it yet. Now you'll catch it. Verse 18, here's what we do. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So when we get sick, we let that sickness point us to eternity. Eternity. This world, this is not my home. This is not my security. This body's going to die one day unless Jesus comes back first, and I'm going home. So I think about beholding Christ worshiping him with all the saints from every nation, tongue, and tribe, being there, beholding his glory, having him wipe every tear from our eyes, having there be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. When in sickness or any other momentary light affliction, you let that set your heart upon eternity, that is producing for you more of this eternal weight of glory. So that's how it works here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18. So the coronavirus cannot separate us from the love of Christ. One reason, because God can protect us from it. Second reason, because God, even if he allows us to get it, can heal us from it. But we've just seen that we do our outer mans do decay. We do get sick in, time, in ways that God does not heal us from. And so we need to talk about this third reason. We've got to get real specific here, real, real tangible. The third reason that the coronavirus can't separate you from God's love is because God can take us to heaven as a result of it. Now you might think, okay, you're getting a little dramatic here. The odds of that happening are really small. 
and they are, okay? Thank the Lord for that. But let's talk about odds a little bit. I know the odds of anyone getting the coronavirus are small, let alone the odds of anyone dying from the coronavirus are, are very small. But let's just, let's say that maybe 2% of the people who get it die from it, or whatever the number is, a small number, okay? But let me tell you, the reason that we have peace about the coronavirus is not because we, we think about percentages. I mean, think about this. It's not that we have a 98% chance of nothing separating us from the love of Christ. I'm like 98% sure. It's not like, well, there's a 2% chance that something might separate me, but the odds are pretty good, aren't they? Listen, we should never talk that way. We have a much more substantial foundation for our peace than percentages. God's not worried about the He goes, well, I, sh I hope it works out for you. The odds are pretty good. God's not talking that way. He's in charge of the odds, and he's not even in charge of the odds. He's in charge of every single person, to every single thing that happens to every single one of us. So take all the things about, like, because of the odds, I'm, I'm, take that out of your minds. We have much more substantial foundation for our peace than the odds. We have the promises, what God has promised. So let's talk about the 2%, because I... I don't want you to, as long as I don't think, as long as I think things are going to be happening, positive things, I'm not going to go there, I'm not going to think about that. Our, our, our peace is not based on not thinking about things that could happen. We should think about things that could happen. We should think about the 2%. Because I tell you, when you think about the 2% and God solves that 2% for you, you're good to go. Right? Does this make sense, church? There's too much talk about you know, it's, nothing's gonna really happen because I mean, the odds are so good and it's only blah, blah, blah. That's not the point. What has God said? Let me show you what God says about death. Philippians 1.21. Amazing statement that Paul makes. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hey, again, let's be clear. The odds of any of us dying from the coronavirus are slim. But even if one of us dies from the coronavirus, gain gain. Think about what Paul's saying here. To live is Christ. Jesus Christ is our love. He is our joy. He is our life. He is our hope. He's our purpose. He's our meaning. We want to live for his glory. Beholding his glory is our greatest delight. Living is Christ. He walks with us. He talks with us. He guides us. He comforts us. He strengthens us. Living is Christ. We've got to understand that to understand what Paul says in this verse. Now, just a little pause here. If you read that verse and say, I don't know what that's, what, what's, that's about. I mean, living is Christ. I mean, I believe this and this and this, but I'm, I'm not understanding what you just said about that. If that's what you're saying, if you're saying I don't really have much experience of Christ as my life, then I have very good news for you. God has much more for you than you've been experiencing. It's great news for you. And I would encourage you to put your focus on that this morning. Because you gotta, you gotta know what it is for me to live as Christ. I would encourage you to take time this week and seek God's face. Pray, say, Pour out upon me what Paul was talking about in that verse. Pour out upon me what it means that to live is Christ. Lord, 
forgive me, but for me to live, it's like money. It's like my job. It's like this or this or this, entertainment, whatever. I want to know what it means to have my life be Christ. And so call out to him. Spend time seeking him. Ask him, show me whatever sins might be in, in my heart. I want to confess whatever might be there. Show me whatever else might be in the way. Seek him in the word. Pray. Call upon him. He will answer. He always answers this. John 7, whoever believes in me, whoever, whoever believes in me, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Promise. So press in. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. And you'll start to experience that. And then you'll know what good news it is that dying is gain. So don't fear death. The odds of you dying from the coronavirus are very small. But I mean, listen, we're all going to die, right? Unless Jesus comes back first. Come quickly, Lord. Save lots of people in the meantime. Come quickly. But we're all going to die. We all need hope for that day. We're all going to face that day. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So you have no reason to fear death because it's gain, gain. Now, what about your loved ones that you might leave behind? That's a very valid concern. God will take care of them. He will take care of them. What about the way you die? That, that might be difficult. God will give you grace to die whatever death he has chosen for you. He will not leave you alone. He will give you grace. And then you'll be home. Gain. Some of you might be fearful not so much about your own death as about the death of your loved ones. I get that. Your children, parents, loved ones. But understand that Jesus died to pay for the sins of all who trust him. And if your loved ones are trusting Christ, then their death will be gain. Nothing can separate them from the love of Christ. Now, if they died, we'd be heartbroken. You'd be heartbroken, right? Yes, and it would be right because you love them and you would deeply, deeply miss them. If God took my wife, Jan, home, it would be devastating for me. But she would be home. She would be with her Savior, and God would be with me. Do you believe that? So yes, devastating, yes, heartbreaking, but God will be there. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Now, if your children or your loved ones are not trusting Christ, then it's a different scenario. But even then, we shouldn't be afraid. Pray. Pray for them to come to faith. Ask God, what can I do? How can I share the good news with them? What can I do, Lord, to bring them to faith? But don't be afraid. Let's pray and share the gospel and then pray some more. So, church, 
we can look the coronavirus square in the eye and be fearless about it. No fear. Full peace. For three reasons. And the big overarching reason, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. My future is no condemnation, no punishment, just the love of Christ in this life and then forever. God can protect me from it. If he chooses to allow me to have it, he can heal me from it. If he chooses not to heal me from it and take me home as a result of it, gain. Gain, gain, gain. I've had my life with Christ here. It's going to be more forever. So the future looks glorious. Protection, beautiful if he protects you from it. Thank you, Lord. If he allows you to get it and heals you from it, beautiful. Thank you, Lord. If he takes you home through it, beautiful. Homeward bound. Gain, gain, gain. Thank you, Lord. Nothing not the coronavirus, not anything can separate you from Christ's love. So do not be afraid. Now what happens when we are afraid though, right? What happens when we are afraid? We, we all go through bouts. It's, it's not solid state for any of us. It's just come to the Lord and say, I believe, but help my unbelief right now. I'm not seeing it as clearly right now. Help me now. Strengthen me. He will strengthen you. He will meet you. He will help you. We can come to him weak and needy. We're always weak and needy. And he's the strong one. We're the weak ones. And he will strengthen you. Open up the scriptures. Pray over these verses. Pray over other verses. Lord, strengthen me. Take this fear away. Help me to see more clearly who you are. Help me to love you more. He will do that. And you'll find peace. So it's a constant battle. Fight. That's what we're called to do. Okay, so we've looked at two ways we should respond to the coronavirus. I told you I'd take a long time on that second one, okay? First one, God's in complete control of the coronavirus. Second one, nothing, not this virus, not anything can separate us from Christ's love. Now third, a little different angle here. I want to encourage you to be discerning about what you hear and what you read. Lots of sensational things in the news, lots of prophecies you'll hear, lots of words about this and about this. Be discerning. Be wise. Keep your Bibles open. Let me give you one example. I heard somebody this last week say that the, uh, the coronavirus was prophesied in the book of Revelation, chapter 12. I said, well, this sounds interesting. I, I wonder, what, wonder what he says about this. Now, I don't think he was right, but here's what he said. And I just want to give you an illustration about how we need to be careful and study our Bibles, okay? He said, you know, the symbol for China is a great red dragon, and he said that the coronavirus, the word corona is Latin for crown, crown. And he says he's heard that there's actually seven coronaviruses, great red dragon, crown, seven. Read Revelation chapter 12, verse 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, there it is, with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. On his head seven diadems. Now, the word diadems can be translated crowns. So he thought this was a prophecy about the coronavirus, and he says later on in the chapter, we read that then Jesus comes back soon. So this means Jesus is going to come back soon because the coronavirus is here. So what do we do with that? We say, let's keep reading. Let's read the verses before. No, I'm, ter- I'm serious. We've got to, let's open up our Bibles. Okay, let's, let's look at this. Maybe. I mean, the Bible prophesies things. 
And so I kept reading, and I came to verse 9. Um, remember, he said the great red dragon was China, but look at Revelation 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were, thro- were thrown down with him. So the red dragon in chapter 12 is, is not China. The red dragon in chapter 12 is, is Satan. So there's no coronavirus in Revelations chapter 12. Now, there's two reasons I wanted to share this with you. One was because you might hear that and start to wonder. So you'll think about it. You've already heard about it. But then two, more important, so that you will, we, we all want to grow in being wise and discerning and reading not just one verse, but the verses before it and the verses after it so that we can see what's being talked about. So let's all study our Bibles, okay? Ask your home group leader, ask each other, what do you think about this? Is it coronavirus here in chapter 12? Let's talk about this. Let's talk about these things together. Does that make sense, church? I hope so. Okay. Now, fourth, let's share with others why we have such peace and hope. 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Lift him up. You are in control of everything. You are the prize. You're my glory. You can heal me. You can protect me. You can take me home. Whatever you choose, you love me. You've died for me. I trust you. So honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and with respect. So pray over the scriptures, fight the fight of faith to trust Christ. There will be peace, there will be joy. And then this is a very frightening time for people. And we want to empathize with people. People are very fearful about this. But as, as we see that they're fearful and as we empathize with them, they'll see that, that we are, we're at peace and we're strong and we're at hope, and they might ask us why. And when they ask you, don't say, there's very little chance of anybody getting this. That is such a weak response. We've got a massive foundation that we can stand upon, and we're talking about this little thing we're standing on over here, like 98% chance it'll be okay. Do you feel the difference there? Don't answer with percentages. Say, well, let me share with you why. Jesus died to pay for the sins of everyone who trusts him. And, and I'm, I'm trusting Jesus, and I know I'm forgiven. I don't, I don't need to be afraid of God's judgment or wrath ever. I'm going to know his love forever. I'm not afraid of judgment. I'm not afraid of death. And he loves me. He's shown me that on the cross, and he will have happened whatever's going to bring me the most joy in him. So, so I'm free. And empathize with the fact that they're fearful Empathize with the fact that you're concerned for your kids too or your loved ones too, so we can share that with them. But oh, share with them the reason for why there's hope in you. May the Lord open up lots of opportunities with neighbors and and people at work about how we can share with them who Jesus is at this needy time for them. And then fifth, final one, love and serve those around you. Keep praying over the scriptures. I believe, help my unbelief. Strengthen my faith. Fill me with peace. Come and help me. And then he will do that. And, and that'll free you to love and serve others. Here's an example from Hebrews 10, 34. It's a beautiful picture of sacrificial love in the early church. 
the author of Hebrews says, for you, he's talking to the ones reading his letter, for you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Why? Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Gain. Okay? So these believers knew that visiting their brothers and sisters who'd been arrested for being Christians, visiting them could identify them as Christians, and the government might stand back and let the crowds vandalize, steal from their homes, destroy their property. And that's what happened. And they joyfully accepted the plundering of their property because they knew that forever they would have the joy of beholding Jesus. When, when that's your eternity out there, things here are, they can be hard, but they're momentary and they're light afflictions and they're producing for us an eternal weight of glory. So let's love and serve each other. Let's, let's love and serve each other in the body of Christ. Um, let's encourage each other to keep trusting the Lord. If, if you talk to a friend who's really struggling with fear, don't, don't judge them. I mean, we, we, we all go through this. Pray with them, encourage them. Let them encourage and strengthen and, and, and pray for you. So strengthen and encourage each other. If you talk to somebody else who thinks it's a big problem and you think it's a small problem, don't, don't mock them for that. I mean, we're all wondering what it's gonna be. Focus on Jesus together. You know, what, whatever it is, he's in control, right? So encourage, love, care for each other. There's families here where both um, husband and wife are working and their kids are out of school these next four weeks. How can we help as a church with that? Let's be thinking about that in our home groups. It's a huge issue. Nurseries are all closed, obviously, so this is lots of needs. So if you have needs along those lines, let us know. I'm not sure we can solve everything, but let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll do what we can. We'll pray about that. And let me also mention that throughout history, God's people have been known for their sacrificial love during times of plagues, viruses, and epidemics. Now, we want to take precautions, right? We want to be wise, but we can lean into risking some. God will lead you, but listen to these stories. Third century Rome, such a terrible plague broke out that 5,000 people were dying every day in Rome, in the city of Rome. People were fleeing the city. Followers of Jesus were going into the city to pray for the sick, to share the love of Christ. This makes me weep to think about it. Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, London, 1800s. The Asiatic cholera broke out. Hundreds were dying in London. Spurgeon was out there every day, going house to house, praying for people, preaching the gospel to people. I love that story. And then it's been reported that Christians in Wuhan, just recently where the coronavirus broke out, they were out in the streets, giving masks to people, comforting, encouraging, frightened medical workers sharing the love of Christ, taking food to those who are in quarantine situations. Again, be wise, take precautions, but we can lean into sacrifice, we can lean into risk for the sake of love, for the sake of Christ. We can do that and he'll, he'll give you wisdom. 
Think of what God could do in Abu Dhabi. Who knows what's going to happen, but think of what God could do as the believers rise up full of peace, full of strength, full of hope, fearless in this situation, praying for the sick, watching God heal the sick, preaching the gospel to people, serving those who are suffering, comforting those who are frightened, babysitting those who've got kids home, whatever it might be. What could God do in Abu Dhabi church as we put our trust in Christ and move out for the sake of love, for his glory? Let's stand together. I pray, Lord, especially for those this morning who walked in with fear and worry. And Lord, we all struggle with that. But I pray, Lord, that now their feet are firmly fixed upon your promises. And I pray that you'd flood them with peace and that you would strengthen each of us in our confidence in you, our understanding of you, and our hope in Christ. And Lord, do show us how we can love each other during this season, how we can love the lost during this season. And we praise you that you are here through Christ. You love us. We're not alone. We can trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.